My guest this week, Sally Williams, is a recruiter, and she has spent over 20 years with a company called Bully Welch. And so I'm really excited to bring her on. I think it's a timely discussion. And she makes some great points that include really the recruiter is your first interview, but so many people, they don't get this. Uh, another one was just staying engaged through the process. Sometimes companies aren't great at the hiring process. And as a candidate, we think they're not interested when in reality, they're just not organized. So some tips on staying engaged. And at the time of recording this, you know, there was just a big reduction of the sales force from one of my former companies that I worked at, Citrix. And my thoughts go out to all of my past coworkers. And you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to see more of this. And it's just, it's a, now it's a reminder. It's a really good time to get ahead of the hiring process, maybe reestablish some of those relationships, reevaluate your networking. Doesn't hurt to stay engaged with some of those recruiters that you have in your LinkedIn network. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, Sally, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me today. You know, it's really nice to catch up. I've been wanting to bring a recruiter on the show for a while now. And with all the changes that uh, are, are already happening with many tech companies, I just think it's a really timely topic, which is, you know, finding a job. Uh, so th thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me. Glad to be a part of it. Yeah, my pleasure. So Sally, why don't you take a moment to share just a little bit about, about your background? Sure. Um, so I've been doing recruiting now cumulatively for about 22 years and uh, got a degree in communications a long time ago and didn't know what I wanted to do. Went to an agency to look for a job, which is the agency I am now a senior recruiter at. So it just really, um, my career just evolved into kind of sampling things that I learned I didn't want to do and have have just sort of landed in a place that I really enjoy. So yeah, that's, I'd say, how I got here. Yeah, that's a long, uh, it's a long run. Now, I understand that uh, you had a short break in between your recruiting role. So you've been with that same recruiting company over that entire time, but you stopped left, did a sales role, and then came back around. So uh, you know, when taking that break, doing um, the sales and doing educational software sales, what was the hardest part of transitioning between those two totally different roles? Gosh, I would say, well, just number one, sort of product versus service. I was, like you said, in um, educational software, and it was uh, talking to a whole different audience about about a product that they hadn't tried before, whereas recruiting is um, all about service and uh, not being able to guarantee a product, but moreover, a service than a product. So that was probably, I'd say, the biggest transition. But at the same time, I had been in recruiting before I went into educational software. So on some levels, it was not that hard to get back in. It's kind of like riding a bike. It just was able to, to transition. But um, yeah, just different uh, different 
you know, product versus service, I'd say. Yeah, and I th- I was uh, I thought you'd be a great fit to come out of the podcast because my audience is mostly tech salespeople, tech sales leaders, tech sales engineers, or just general salespeople. But as a recruiter, obviously you're selling as a recruiter, but actually hitting that pause button, going out and selling software for for a few years, you have a really good perspective of the role and what people do and how hard it is and just the general kind of the understanding of the the sales role out there. So I thought uh, it was a good mix. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, uh, Sally, when, when focused, let's focus on recruiting. So when you're out there doing, doing what you do, when do people typically engage with you? Sure. Um, I have found that people typically engage with me after throwing their resume out there to job boards and companies and getting no traction and crickets and feeling like they're at their wits end and are just ready to have a little bit of extra help in the process. You mean the companies or the uh, the individual looking for the job? The individual looking for the job. Yeah, that's when they, when they usually will, will come to us is, is oftentimes after trying on their own for quite a while. On the flip side, we do have candidates who will come to us from the very beginning and say, I'm starting up a job search. I don't know how to navigate. Can you help me? So I'd say it's a mix of both on the candidate side. Yeah. Um, you know, so I imagine at some point, maybe you have more jobs than you have candidates or more candidates than you have jobs. So it's always a balance. Um, the one thing that you do that's probably the same as what uh, a salesperson does is, you know, they've got to nurture their list and nurture their contacts and maintain those relationships and that access. So when there is an opportunity, you're still top of mind and you're still present. Um, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the things that you do to to nurture your list of all the contacts that you build up over time? Um, yeah, no, that's a great, <laughs> relevant question, actually, right now, because we were living through the pandemic with Zoom and nothing was happening in person. So honestly, it's about uh, relationships in this industry and um, I think making it more personal. So um, I make a lot of effort to go to my clients, go to their offices, get to know the staff, um, see the environment so that there's that much more of a, of a bond there that can be created. Bully Welch is not a sort of cookie cutter agency. We're not a resume forwarding service. So for us, it's about that high touch um, relationship. So, just really making an effort to stay in close touch with my with my clients and seeing them regularly to have a real pulse on on what they're doing, so that I can then accurately turn around and talk to my candidates about who they are, aside from what's on the job description. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. And sometimes I think that people they get so caught up in the technology tools that can help us do our job that. You know, we lose the focus on the human touch, right? Going out, sitting down with them, going to their office, having a lunch, having a breakfast, having a coffee, even going to a happy hour, getting to know them on a personal level. And, you know, you just never know. Things change quickly, especially if you're, you know, you're out there also on the the corporate side, right? Getting, becoming the preferred recruiter for them. And if you don't know that something has fundamentally changed in their business, you're, they may not be, you may not be top of mind for them. Maybe they just, you thought, all right, they're not hiring, but you know, they made a small acquisition and they had some more budget and they need to add staff. Well, if you're not keeping that engagement, you may not be the one that they initially call. Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's a really good point. And do you want to have as much knowledge as possible so that when you are talking to your candidates about what they're walking into in terms of an interview that they're as prepared as possible and set up for success. So the more information they have about who they're interviewing with, the the more, you know, 
credible, they're going to come across as, you know, having done their homework. And that's where the recruiter comes in to try to prepare them as much as possible for, um, you know, what that company is doing now, what's coming in the future, what they've been through, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get into, uh, let's get in the, into the meat of getting hired, right? It's, um, I've gone, you know, I've hired lots of people. I've been on the, the side of being hired. And every company does it different. Some companies are very professional with how they do it. Some companies, they're painfully slow, painfully disorganized, and it's horrible on the uh, the candidate. But from the perspective of the person looking for the job, maybe a sales pro that's out there, what are some of the best practices that you would suggest when uh, when working with a recruiter specifically to go find that job? Uh, right. So yeah, as a hiring manager, um, I would say that uh, to we, we see a lot of people jumping into the hiring process where they're they're eager to see candidates. They they haven't seen what they've wanted to see out there, so they're ready to engage with us to provide top candidates. Um, so we do the best we can with quick turnaround time and trying to uncover top talent. It's like hurry up and go, and then oftentimes what we see by no fault of you know, a specific hiring manager, it's the way things roll. Oftentimes, um, the process will start with a bang. First interviews go. Hiring manager likes candidate A, but they can't schedule candidate A for a second interview for two weeks because other people are out of town um, or someone's sick or whatever the case may be. So you've got the candidate excited to get that callback for the second interview. They're actively interviewing other places. Uh, but the longer that time goes and passes, the less warm the candidate might feel that they're actually really in, that the hiring manager is really interested in them. So to keep the process moving along long and clipping along, I think is super important, keeping the candidate warm, letting them know what to expect, that the second interview might not happen for three weeks because it's Christmas or it's Thanksgiving, we've got people out of town, because um, the nonverbal, you know, communication side of it is the candidate starts feeling like, oh, they don't really love me as much as I love them. I think I better move on. Yeah. And kind of as a signal. So um, does that answer your question, Chris? Yeah. And then, so, okay. So let's say that uh, scenario is playing out, which I, I definitely have seen that happen. As a candidate, what are some things that they should be doing to maybe approach it differently? Great question. Um, I think that on the candidate side, um, this might sound super old school, but I think it still really works. And I get really good response is writing a genuine note to the client, whether it's uh, a handwritten note, that's a lost art and or an email expressing uh, interest in the role if it is genuine and how much they would love to be asked back for a second or third interview and that they'd be really excited to get an offer to join the team because it's it's kind of like dating. If you don't know that the person's going to say yes to that date, you're less likely to ask. But I think being transparent without coming across desperate that you'd be really excited to uh, to move on to next steps. I think hiring, I think that goes a long way and hiring managers appreciate that. Then they realize that person is really engaged and ready. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. It's um, don't take it personal. If the hiring manager and the company is slow to follow up, most of these companies, they're understaffed. They're so busy and they're not professional. They're not necessarily professional 
hiring. That's not their job, right? I mean, you would think HR, that is their job, but the HR people are mostly out there just whipping up a bunch of candidates. They're not necess- They're not running the sales process or the, I should say the hiring process, kind of the details of the day in, day out activities that the hiring manager has to go do. That hiring manager has another job and they have team members and they're so dang busy. So just don't take it personal. In fact, you know, make it easy. I think kind of part of what you said is right. Make it easy for that hiring manager to recognize that, okay, that person does, they are interested. Yes. They, you know, they want the job. Um, you know, and by the way, that note comes in and it's probably been a to-do on their list for a while to follow up. They just haven't done it. Well, now you just made it easy, right? Um, you put an email, put a letter in front of them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck beach, camping, or just, you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. Now, I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com forward slash mug, that's M-U-G, and you'll see a picture of the Tumblr and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in, so you don't need to re-enter. So thinking about it from the candidate perspective, what are some of the mistakes that you see candidates make when going through the process? Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) Where do I... Do we have enough time? (laughs) We have. Maybe. I'll uh, I'll, I'll summarize it. Um, Candidates often make the mistake that we are not the first interview. Candidates make the mistake that we are a rehearsal. We meaning meaning who? Oh, candidates can often make the mistake that the recruiter interviewing them is not a real interview. So I've had candidates say to me, I wouldn't really dress like this on an interview, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't really get on a Zoom call while I'm driving my car during a real interview. And they make often can make a mistake that we are not that First interview, they the candidate is representing what as what I see what they will represent in front of our client. So I dress professional, be ready for the interview, treat the recruiter like they are the very first interview because what you put out there is exactly what I'm going to remember when I'm trying to decide if I want to put you in front of my clients. And so uh, there is often I think some confusion about the the recruiter just being someone to talk to, which is true, but that representation is exactly what I'm thinking you're going to put out there when you're interviewing with one of our hiring managers. So just put your best foot forward, kind of an approach, dress professional, be ready, have the the dogs put away, um, and, you know, have your space ready for your interview and, and uh, make it as professional as possible so that the recruiter has the confidence that uh, when they put you in front of their client, you're going to make a good point. Well, that, and that makes sense because it's your reputation. And in a way, um, that's part of your product that you're bringing to that customer. And so if you know you want to put the best person in front of them and 
you know, if they're not showing up for you, how how are they going to stand out as one of the uh, the top candidates that you want to present and put your your stamp of approval on? Exactly. That that's that's well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, any other mistakes that uh, come to mind that just frustrate you when you're you're trying to shepherd somebody through the process and you just pull your hair out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, so, gosh, I would say that some with with uh, on the candidate side. We usually will give a candidate, for example, say a salary range of what the what the hiring manager is targeting. Let's say the hiring manager says that the cap on this role is 100k. We're interviewing for you know could be 85 to 100k. So I prep the candidate. All right, here's their salary range. Are you comfortable with that? Yes, I'm comfortable with that. I would I would accept a position, you know, within that space. So I've already told the hiring manager. You're interviewing Chris Freeman. He is interviewing for roles at 85 to 100K. So if you come in with an offer in that zone, we're pretty safe that he's going to, you know, really um, genuinely consider that offer. Well, then the candidate goes in the interview sometimes and says, I'm interviewing for jobs at 150K minimum. And so they sometimes can go rogue on you. Hiring manager calls, says, Hey, I thought you said Chris would interview at is interviewing at 85 to 100. He told me his minimum is 150K. I've just wasted an hour of my time. What happened? So um, I uh, I really advise candidates before interviewing to really be sure about what when they can start, what start date, what salary range you're looking at. Do you have pre-scheduled vacations so that there are no surprises at the end of the process? It can end up being a colossal waste of time if I'm telling the hiring manager one thing and then the candidate goes goes rogue and and says something different. It, it's a waste of time. My credibility is uh, on the line. Um, the hiring manager's feeling like, wait, who's on first? Uh, so there can be some confusion there. So I really try to talk to candidates about what you're telling me is what I'm telling the hiring manager. Are you good with that? So that we're not going to get to the you know end of the third interview with an offer at a hundred, and you're telling the hiring manager that you're not going to accept for less than 150. That just gets embarrassing and things like right. What what is the expectation? So as you maybe it's a longer process. You know, some companies want to want to have you go interview with five to ten people, right? And so there's a lot of steps along the way. What are some of the expectations you have as a recruiter? that you expect of the candidate as they're going through that process, you know, in terms of like communicating with you and working with you with each of those steps? Right. Um, I, transparency is big. Um, I will often check in with my candidates. Is there a part of an interview process? I am shepherding, checking in. Do you have any other offers um, with any other companies? Do you anticipate any offers coming through? And I really appreciate it when candidates are transparent because that then gives me knowledge where I can go to the hiring manager I'm working with saying, Chris has got three other irons in the fire. He's anticipating some offers coming through next week. Uh, if you like him, I would seriously consider offering sooner than later so that you don't miss out. Sometimes candidates aren't transparent. They they keep they hold their cards close to their chest, thinking it's some sort of a game when really I can't do my job and advocate for them if they're not giving me the information to to help them get an offer sooner than later. So sometimes there's a uh, a game that sometimes candidates think I can't tell the recruiter everything and they're not going to get me out on other interviews when the reality is I'll get you on more interviews if I know you're, you're pending offers because I, I think you're a good candidate and I want to make a good showing and I want you to see as many of our clients as possible before you start getting offers on your own. So. Well, um, 
What about the resume? How important is a resume nowadays? Resume, uh, very important, always important. I think that um, when I get a good looking resume, I get so excited because <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this resume. Everything's spelled right. It's a page, maybe it's a page and a half. That's okay. Um, resumes tend to often have grammatical errors, could be like a software package, like Let's say it's PowerPoint, you know, the second P in PowerPoint's not capitalized. QuickBooks, the, the B is a, a lowercase. Not, you've got to go through and make sure everything is spelled correctly. Keep it simple. Your last three jobs, put your education down if you have one, put your computer skills down. Don't put your picture on your resume. Uh, we're talking about the content of who you are, not what you look like. Um, I just, uh, I spend a lot of time. Um, going back and forth with candidates sometimes on refining the resume, it slows the process down. So uh, keep it simple is what I have to say there. That's interesting. Why, why just the last three jobs? Well, actually, that could, that could fluctuate. I think that um, I'm saying that when maybe I'm talking to a candidate who's further along in their career, mm-hmm. um, has been, say, in the workforce for 20 or so years, and they're putting everything down on their resume and it turns into three pages with every nanny job or barista job or dog sitting job. Um, so when I say three, I, I mean, really condense it if possible to target the role, uh, roles that you are interviewing for. And there's always a way to, to do say like your last three jobs and then have another section with other, in other experience and then list things in a different way. So I think it's, probably more about formatting and where you are in your career and what you're wanting to highlight. Yeah. Well, and I've often wondered, right? I mean, it's, you want to assume that the world is perfect, but we know it's not. And so if you're somebody that is a later, you know, they've been working for 25, maybe even longer, and let's say you just got laid off, right? And you're looking for a job. Sometimes, you know, putting every job you've had and the time you graduated from college sort of signals how old you are. And I, you know, I've often wondered, you know, I'm not quite there yet, but I look, it's like, eh, what I did in the 1990s, do, does that matter? <laughs> right. No, good, good point. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I don't see dates on resumes as much as I used to because ageism, it, it, it exists, whether we want to, you know, acknowledge that or not, um, it can exist. And so it, it's not, it's not relevant to, uh, to list the date on your resume. It's, it can be Unfortunately, another tool where you could be screened out, whether whether the client's looking for someone further along in their career or they're looking for someone more on the entry level side. But I think it's also helpful to have sometimes maybe two or three different resumes ready, depending on um, the jobs that you're applying for and what you think your audience is Hmm. um, going to want to know about you. If you're a hybrid person who's say you're you're a salesperson but you also have a strong administrative side i think that there's a way to have a couple of different resumes ready speaking to your skills and strengths on both sides um so i think it really can depend on um what job you're targeting and also knowing that client and what you know about what they are looking for yeah, that's a good point. And unfortunately, um, there are a number of layoffs going on right now. So maybe you are currently a sales leader or or recently have been let go as a sales leader. 
And you're, you know, there's less of those jobs than there are sales jobs. So maybe, hey, you know, maybe that's a good point. Maybe you have two resumes ready to go. One for a sales leadership role that really focuses on, you know, the, the things that are core to that role versus the a, a direct sales role with, you know, kind of examples and case studies that are more relevant to the to that role. So yeah, it's a good point. So Sally, I'm wondering, what about working with multiple recruiters? Um, I mean, is that an exclusive type of relationship when you engage with a recruiter? Um, no, it's not exclusive. I have candidates who are working with with me, with other recruiters. They're applying for jobs on their own. Um, I think that that's common because all recruiters out there have a different client base. So as a candidate, you're wanting to make sure that you've cast a wide net and you're seeing as many job opportunities out there. Therefore, you're working with potentially a variety of recruiters. I think transparency is is the biggest thing there. I when candidates tell me that they're working with a variety of recruiters, I love that because sometimes on the client side, the client is giving the job order to say three or four recruiters. So I can say, hey Chris, have you already interviewed for this job? Have you already heard about it? Are you already in the process with someone else? Because I don't want to waste the client's time or your time. So yeah, I do like knowing that in advance. And it, and it is very common. And as a director, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that it just increases your chances to get as many interviews as possible um, when you're working with a variety of people. It's a lot to keep yeah. to the candidate side, but um, I, I see why I see why people do that. Yeah, makes sense. Well, as we wrap it up, um, you know, I guess a, a message to the the listeners. So I've interviewed a number, a lot of people over the years, and I'm always surprised after I have an interview, the times that I don't get a follow-up, thank you note, thank you email. And, you know, sometimes I will get one that's just, thanks for meeting with me. But especially if you're at a tech sales role or any other sales role, you better be following up just like you would as if you're following up with a customer, right? Recap the discussion, recap some of the highlights that I made as a hiring manager around what we're looking for, the challenges that we have, recap the discussion, and then recap why you think you're a good candidate and sell yourself. And that goes a long ways. Because if you're not doing that, man, right away, I'm already concerned about what are you what are you going to do with your customers? Exactly. That is, that is, I think you nailed it there. I mean, those, those thank you notes, uh, they go such a long way, not just for follow-up and communication and recapping and being genuine about really appreciating the time of the hiring manager, but it's also an example of of your your writing skills, your communication skills, and exactly what you said. You're you're visualizing this person in front of your customers. And and so it's just it's it's a, it's another it's another sort of interview. It's it's a writing mm-hmm. skill, it's communication and it is a reflection on how you're going to end up uh, representing who you go to work for. And one last thing that I forgot to mention, I'm going to mention it really quick. I know we're running out of time. Uh, as a candidate, um, clean up your social media. If you've got oh, yeah. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and you've got pictures of yourself, you know, drinking beer at the bar and dancing on tables. And yeah, that, that the reality of looking for a job is that with the world of social media, hiring managers are sometimes um, trolling around on social media. So I would say my advice there is, you know, don't change who you are, but have a good sense of what you're putting out there on social media, because that is a, an extension of you. And, uh, and, it, and it can sometimes lead to being screened out of an interview process. If there's, if there's stuff out there that 
that uh, could be interpreted differently by different audiences. So. Absolutely. I mean, I've looked, uh, I've scoured social media every single time that I've had a candidate that I was seriously interested in. So, um, and that's actually because I didn't do it one time and I regretted it. So, <laughs> um, so Sally, Hey, really appreciate your time. If somebody would like to reach out and get hold of you, what's the best way to reach out? Oh gosh. Uh, I would say shoot me an email. Um, S.Williams at bullywelch.com. You can get on the Bully Welch recruiting website, find me there too. There's a link to my email. That would probably be the most direct way. Sounds great. Thanks again for doing this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.